it's during the final words with someone, the final moments with somebody, that, the, that, that your words are the most important. I mean, I, and I think about the, the words, the final words that I may speak to my daughters before they go off to college. I think I want those words to be filled with encouragement, words that are filled with love, maybe, maybe words that are filled with some last-minute instructions from the old man. I, I think about families that have maybe military people that live with them, and, and in those moments when, when they're being sent off to duty, and those final moments, with, those words even are more special. I would think that those words would be words you would want to be filled with not only love and encouragement, but with how proud you were of them, or, or you know what, maybe some, some preparations. I've had the privilege of sitting along the bedside of some people taking their final breaths in life, and, and I tell you, in those moments, there are no wasted words. Everything spoken is worth listening to, is worth taking to heart in those times. And I think that is why that these words from Jesus are particularly important, because these final words in Matthew are his final words to his, his disciples, to the people that he was closest with. And he says this to them. He says, look, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. These are words of not only encouragement, of love, of hope, but they're also words of some instruction, of some commands. In his final talk here, Jesus has with his guys, he says, look guys, just as you have become more like me, I need you to go out and help others to become more like me too. Teach other people how to be more like me. And this is our goal as Christ followers. It's to, yes, become more like Jesus ourselves, but it's also to help other people become more like Jesus. Jesus wants us to love people like he loves them. He wants us to pray like he prayed. He wants us to look at our money, at our possessions, at the poor, at our relationships, at our jobs, the same way that he would look at them. And if this is Jesus's vision for us, then it begs the question, how? How do we do this? So there have been many throughout history who have, since Jesus spoke these words, tried to make this incredibly difficult. We've made up rules. We've made up man-made commands and traditions to follow. So we want to, I hope, keep this as, as simple as possible. And that's why over this past three weeks, we have, we have spent some time digging into four key environments that I hope will help equip us to learn from Jesus so that we can be more like him and help others to be more like him too. So just a quick recap, we have taken a look at these four environments, the row, the circle, the chair, and go. And it's in these environments, in combination with each other, that, that we will see the power of each environment and how these can help transform us 
into becoming more like Jesus. And so Pastor Eric looked at the environment of go. Pastor Todd looked at the environment of the circle. And so today we are going to finish up looking at the final two environments, the row and the chair. And so let's begin this morning with the row. Because this is where we all are. we're, We're all sitting in the row environment. This is what we experience together today. It's what thousands of people around our city experience every Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, sometimes Wednesday nights. You're here today and you're sitting in a row. In fact, let's be honest, some of you have been sitting in the same row for a long time. So if you're a guest with us today, a special word of warning, choose carefully, because that's probably where you're going to end up staying. Most people in our churches on a morning like today, I hope you got up early, showered, I hope, put on some nice clothes, you drove to a building where you are praying together, singing together, reading scripture together, you're experiencing a teaching time together, and this is the, the, the primary role of the row environment. It is to come, be together, to do those things somebody teaches and other people listen. Someone teaches and others listen, and sometimes I get asked this question, maybe you've heard this question before, the question that says, why do I want to spend my Sunday morning going to church? I mean, is it really that important to come? I mean, I'm doing pretty good without it. And I don't have to come to church to believe in God, right? To which I would respond, you might be true, but that doesn't make it a good idea. I mean, you can drive a car without a seatbelt. You can walk through the woods during hunting season without orange on, but that doesn't mean you should. The row is a primary environment where we're going to become more like Jesus. And how do I know this? Because we see this in Jesus' own ministry, in his own life, where he utilizes the environment of the row. Let me show you. Here are just a couple of, of, of times he does this. One is in Luke chapter 4. It says, Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. He taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There two people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. It says he went to Capernaum. That was kind of his, his headquarters for ministry of the time. And while he was there, he taught in the synagogue. He was teaching. Others were listening. That was the row environment. And then just the very next chapter, we see it again in Luke chapter 5. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. For it seemed these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. I love this story. Because this is the story of of four guys that, that climb to the roof of the worship center that Jesus is teaching in, and they hacked a hole in the roof of the worship center and lowered their paralyzed friend down to Jesus because there were so many people they couldn't get to him. And I hear this story, and I can only think, man, if you're going to climb to the roof of the worship center and you're going to jackhammer a hole in it to lower your friend down in, the least you can do is fill out a Connect card. 
I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was bad. This distraction, you know, I've experienced some distraction during, during uh, the row environment, but th- this distraction would have definitely interrupted Jesus. But even so, it's clear here that Jesus is utilizing the row environment. He is teaching. Others are listening. And maybe the big question that I wonder when I know this and I hear this is, is what difference does it make? I mean, how is being here in the row environment really helping me to become more like Jesus? To which I looked at Luke chapter 6, verse 40, and it says this, that students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will be like the teacher. The row is helping us to become more like Jesus because it's in the row that we're receiving instruction, where we're learning how to worship together, we're learning how to interpret Scripture together, we're learning how to pray together, we're learning how to be more like Jesus. But there's a catch. And the catch is this, it doesn't stop with just listening. Because if that was enough, if it was enough to come to the row and just listen, then every single person that ever came to church and left would always grow and always look more like Jesus. And I think we all know that that's not the case. I know people, and you know people, that have been coming to church for years and years and years, and yet they're not growing. They're not looking more like Jesus. So what's missing here? There's got to be a piece of the equation that's missing. I think what's missing is is, is our response. It's not enough to just come and listen. Yes, it's in the row that we come and we hear, but then, then we respond. Listen just a couple of verses later to the sobering verse that Jesus spoke. He said, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? He said, why do you keep saying you care about what I want? Why do you keep saying that you're following me? Why do you keep saying that you trust me and you want me to be in control? Why do you keep saying that stuff when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Don't forget, please don't forget this critical step. Because Jesus is saying, it's not enough to just call me Lord if you remain unchanged. It is in the row that we must come and listen, yes, but then we must follow. And so that is why at the end of every service here at the chapel, we, we hope and we pray that you come and you leave more likely and less likely. Let me explain. We hope that you come and you leave more likely to forgive. We hope that you leave more likely to trust God with whatever's going on in your life right now. More likely to to give things away, to be generous. More likely to serve without recognition. More likely to be like Jesus. But then we want you to leave less likely. Less likely to harbor a grudge against your brother or sister. Less likely to demand to be the center of attention. Less likely to lose your temper when you pull out of here and you get on 250 heading to Sandusky and someone cuts you off in the left-hand lane going 10 mile an hour under the speed limit. Not that I struggle with that one. 
less likely to operate out of, out of selfishness. I know I can't just stand here and convince you of the importance of this, but I can share my own experience, and I honestly don't know where I would be in my life without the influence of the Roe environment. My father gave his life to following Jesus when I was just a little guy. And my family began to go to church. Never done that before. And as a kid, I went to the Sunday school class, and it's in the row environment of that little Baptist church we attended that I began to learn Bible stories. I began to hear about Jesus, and, and I began to hear about who he was and what he had done. I began to have questions. And then on Wednesday nights, we went to this little program called Awana, and I memorized Bible verses because you had to memorize verses in order to play the games, and so I always wanted to play the games. I memorized Bible verses. And those verses that I memorized are still, to this day, stuck in my head. I can still recall them from all those years ago. It was in the row environment that I gave my life to following Jesus. It's in the row environment I was baptized. It's in the row environment in the eighth grade that, that I first met, who's now my wife. She was interested in some kid named Todd Hoskins that was a jerk, but that's a whole nother story for all another weekend. You know, I have come to the row environment tired. I've left rested. I've come here feeling like I was holding things tightly and I've left with an open heart. I have come here with a heart of greed and a heart of pride and I have left here more generous and humble. My life has been changed by the Roe environment and it has helped me become more like Jesus. And I wonder if it has helped you become more like Jesus too. If it hasn't, then let me give you a couple of next steps to try. First one I want to give you is this. Commit to making the row a priority in your life. Commit to being here. I'm thinking even next week, we kick off a brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. Pastor Todd will be here for that. And that's going to be an incredible series. Don't miss that. To make it a priority to be here. And maybe... Maybe even as you're coming into the building that morning, you pray and you say, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to hear today? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to experience and feel? What do you want me to change in my life as a result of what happens in this place today? Ask him. I hope you know this isn't a guilt trip and this isn't judgment. I hope you know me better than that because we all have things that happen in our lives. This is by no means a guilt trip or judgment. This is about making this a priority because when we make it a priority in our lives, our kids make it a priority in their lives. When we make it a priority in our lives, our coworkers, our neighbors, and our friends that don't know Jesus look at us and go, maybe I'll go with them some weekend. It's about making it a priority. It's because we know it's here that we are going to become more like Jesus, and we can't miss that. Make this a priority. 
Maybe next step number two. Look for to sign up for other row opportunities. Real simply, uh, you can even check your What's Happening guide for times and stuff, but uh, over the next couple of months, we're going to be having formations and foundations classes and focus classes and different things going on here. Take advantage of those times to be together. Take advantage of those opportunities to be in the row with each other so that we can all become more like Jesus together. The last next step I'll give you for the row is this. Don't leave unchanged. Don't come here just to make a check mark on a to-do list. Don't come here because you feel guilt or you don't want to be judged. Those aren't the reasons to come. Come because you know that this is critical to becoming more like Jesus and becoming more like Jesus is the most important thing you can do in your life. Come and leave changed. Maybe this row environment's an easy sale with you because after all, you all are here. You're in the row. So you obviously must already think it's somewhat important. But the row's not the only environment to becoming more like Jesus. There's one more. There's one more environment, and that is the environment of, of the chair. You know, I recognize that the environment of the chair for some is a comfortable environment, but I also recognize that the environment of the chair for others is an uncomfortable environment because it's in the chair, our alone time with God, that we will be alone with Him, where we spend time intimately with the Lord, where we eliminate distractions and noise of our day to spend with the Lord. For me, I've shared with you, I'm an introvert, I love this time. I love being alone with the Lord. I love the quietness of eliminating the noise and distractions of life to be with the Lord. I'm comfortable in the chair environment, but I know for some that's not the case. I know some that like the noise. There's some that don't like to be alone. And if that's you in this place, can I encourage you today? Can I encourage you that this is a critical time we're becoming more like Jesus. And when you combine it with what happens in the row, it's powerful. You will become more like Jesus. How do I know? Because we see Jesus using this as part of his own ministry of his life. Let me just show you this verse in the book of Mark. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. Here we see Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, getting up early to go have chair time with his father. Why? Why does he do it? Let me tell you what happened the day before. The day before Jesus went out early to have chair time was a crazy day. It was a day filled with chaos. It was a day of busyness. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. He healed a woman who was sick in bed. In fact, just a couple of verses prior in the book of Mark, it said that, that he was healing many sick and that people who were demon-possessed were being brought to him to be healed. It said that the whole town, every single person in the entire town gathered at the front door of the house where Jesus was staying because they all wanted him. They all needed to talk to him. They all needed to see Jesus. You talk about crazy. I mean, I put myself in, in these shoes and I go, I would have felt, 
I would have felt overwhelmed. I would have felt pushed and pulled and pressured. I would have felt exhausted had this have happened to me. And I'm sure we have all had those days, especially you stay-at-home parents. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Where we're, we're being pulled every which direction and where you're being asked to do unending tasks that never get accomplished. You're feeling exhausted. But you know what? Even on your worst day, I bet you've never experienced anything like what Jesus is experiencing in this scenario. And so what does he do? After a day like that, what does he do? He got up early. He went to a quiet place to have chair time with his father. Now, I'm not a morning guy. My brain doesn't usually kick on till about 10, 11, after four cups of coffee. That's when I'm really in my sweet spot for about five minutes. But there is something special about being proactive about your day rather than reactive to your day. And you might be thinking, well, Charles, this is Jesus, of course. Of course Jesus is going to go off and have time with his Father, of course. It's not fair to compare me with Jesus, to which I would respond to you, you're right, it is not fair to compare you with Jesus. And if Jesus needed chair time with his Father, how much more critical is it that all of us have chair time with him as well? I've heard so many excuses, so I'm too busy, which I would respond, well, Jesus was the busier than any of us, and he made time. I've heard, but I'm in control. I like to do things my way. I'm, going, I'm doing fine. I know what's going on. I don't need to do that, to which I would respond, Jesus was more in control than you. He was smarter than you. He knew what was going on way more than you, and he still needed it. So we do too. Instead of going down all those roads, though, I want to just end sharing a story that is special to me this week. The story is found in the last chapter of the book of John. And, and, and let's just look at it together. It says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple, Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. He jumped in the water and he headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore for they were only about 100 yards from shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus served them bread and fish. You know, just days prior to this, Jesus was crucified. They thought he was dead. And here he is, uh, risen in front of them. And, and I love this picture because it's a picture of a group of men who are completely at the end of the rope here. They didn't know what to do. 
They were convinced that Jesus was going to take over as king. They were convinced that Jesus was going to do something incredible. They were convinced and they had devoted their entire life to following him. They had given everything. They had put their hope in all that they were and trust into Jesus. And now he's been crucified. He was dead. So they were feeling overwhelmed. They were feeling confused. And so what do they do? They did the same thing that we do when we get overwhelmed and confused. They went back to everything they had ever known. They went back to doing things the way they knew how to do them from the beginning. They went, they went back to trying to run their own lives the way that they knew how to run their lives. They were scared. And so in John 21, 3, it says that they went fishing. Typical male to go fishing. And in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this confusion, in steps Jesus. And he reminds each of them of the importance of chair time. And he simply says this to them in verse 12. He says, come, have some breakfast. I think with all this confusion and all the questions I would have been had going on in my mind, Jesus doesn't say, guys, come and let me tell you exactly what to do. He doesn't say, come and, 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 and let's just all sit around and worry together. He doesn't say, come and attend to all my needs. No, he says, come, have some breakfast. It's because in that quiet moment, in their chair time with Jesus, that, that Jesus was able to care for them. Jesus he served them. He, he, he met their needs and exceedingly met their needs. Jesus gave them reassurance. He gave them rest. He gave them comfort. And Jesus reminded each of them of his presence. Jesus just wanted to spend some time with the guys that he loved. I wonder, do you ever feel in your life, overwhelmed or anxious? I know you do. I wonder, do you ever feel in your life tired or busy or, or in turmoil? I know you do, because we all do, and it's in those moments that it is critical for you to remember these words from Jesus. Come, have some breakfast. The chair is in a critical environment to becoming more like Jesus. Because it's where we bring him our hopes, it's where we bring him our dreams, where we bring him our thanksgiving and our praises, our cares, our concerns. It's where we can bring all of those things and lay them at his feet. And in turn, we can pick up what he's offering, his love, his care, his, his presence. And we can know without a shadow of a doubt in these moments that Jesus is there waiting and wanting to have breakfast with us. The chair's critical environment to becoming more like Jesus, to which maybe you say, okay, okay, I get it. So what am I supposed to do now? Well, let me close giving you these next steps. The first one's this. Understand that time with Jesus is never 
wasted time. With all the things that you have going on in your life, all the responsibilities and tasks that you have to handle, time with Jesus is never wasted time. Because I understand that it's here in this time alone with him that I I can receive peace and I can receive direction that I will better be equipped to handle anything that comes before me that day when I take that time to spend with Jesus. It is never wasted time. Next step, number two. Maybe utilize what you've learned in the row environment in your chair time. There's sermon notes inside the worship programs you get on your way in. Maybe if you have those, take those into your chair time. Use those to help guide your thinking, to help uh, reflect on some things that you were thinking or feeling or learning in these times together. Maybe, maybe you uh, sign up for the Beyond the Weekend devotionals. If you don't know what those are, every weekend the pastor who's teaching writes three devotionals for you to use that go right to your emails three times a week. And you can sign up for those. Just tear out the connect card on the back of your worship program. Write your name, your email, legibly, and the words beyond the weekend. And we'll make sure to get those sent to you uh, even this week still. So maybe that's an option. Maybe you purchase one of the great daily devotionals that are out there that can help focus your thoughts and focus your prayers and help you, you to focus while you are talking to the Lord. Maybe you can't afford a devotional. And if that's you, no problem. Because on your phone, there's tons of free apps you can download, like the YouVersion app that has uh, reading plans and devotional plans that are phenomenal. I use all the time. They're excellent and they're all totally free. That way, you can use those things that you've learned in your time of prayer, in your time with Jesus, while you leave your cares at his feet. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for peace. Ask him to fill you so that your responses and your attitudes of things throughout your day are more like his responses and his attitudes. Utilize what you've learned in the row in your chair time. The last one is this, and probably the most challenging Eliminate distraction. Find a quiet place to which you respond, yeah, right. You don't know what my house is like. You don't know what my kids are like. You don't know what I have going on. I can't even find a minute to use the bathroom by myself. I get it. So let me tell you this. Chair time doesn't always happen in a chair. Chair time can happen in a car on your way to work, where you shut the radio off, and you spend those moments talking to Jesus, sharing with him your day, listening. Chair time can happen on a walk in the evening with your dog. Chair time can happen in the middle of a parking lot. I have have been going to a meeting that I was feeling anxious or nervous or that I didn't know what to do, and I have stopped in the middle of a parking lot, and I have just said, Lord, help me me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I'm anxious and I'm tired and I need your help, please. Chair time can happen in a parking lot. Chair time can happen on a lawnmower seat in your backyard. Chair time doesn't always have to happen in a chair. 
the last thing is this. Eliminating distraction often for me means getting rid of this thing. And it's hard. So I try to cheat the system and I set it down by set it down upside down. That doesn't count. Because when I hear it buzz or ding, I have no self-control. I have to look. Because on here I get my text messages, my email messages, my Slack messages, my Facebook notifications, Twitter notifications, Instagram notifications, Snapchat notifications, and all my game notifications all at the same time. And I can't help but look. So for me, eliminating distraction means having to leave this in another room. I don't have a choice because I don't have self-control. So I, I, I tell you that because it's worth it. Becoming more like Jesus and helping others to do the same is the most important thing that you can do in your life. It is critical, and we have four environments to help us do that. The row, the circle, the chair, and the go. So I wonder this morning as you leave, how have you changed? What will be different? Would you stand? Let me finish with a benediction to you. This comes straight from Paul in Philippians, and he writes this. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want to, you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen.